Welcome back to the Product-Led Growth Podcast. I'm your host, doing my best William Shatner impression, Justin Michael. We're talking about product-led growth for sales development reps. It's a whole lot of acronyms, PLG for STR, the hashtag. Uh, We have the co-founder of Reprise, Joe Caprio, on the show, and really excited to talk about his company, his product market fit, his journey, and how that wraps into sales and PLG. How are you today, Joe? I'm so good, man. Thank you for having me. I'm super pumped to be here, Justin. Thanks so much. So to kick these off, it's literally such a new term that I love to say, you know, what is the definition of product-led growth? And I get a different answer every call. So it's actually good. It, 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 <laughs> it's educating us. Yeah, this is an interesting topic for me too, because our our product that we're taking to market enables legacy SaaS company to become product-led, which is the advice that every VC and every advisor is giving their portfolio now. Get lean, remove friction, enable the customers to progress themselves through the sales motion and get more product-led. And a lot of folks will hear that. And, and from a sales point of view, I'm a career sales leader, will say, what does that mean? Free trials? Freemiums? Like, is that what that means? Be product-led is, is, is give it up for free and then expand the deal after. And it kind of really artificially gets summarized as free trials on the website are product-led. But the reality is it's actually what I said. It's about becoming more efficient by removing the burden for your, your buyer to get through the motion on their own. And so, yes, free trials and freemium, like those are examples of being product-led, but it's anywhere you ungate access to your technology, whether it's doing a demo on the first call instead of on the second call or sending out you know, clickable sandboxes as your prospecting attempt instead of links to an ebook. As a prospecting attempt, it's anywhere that you lead with product because you've realized that the product is the strength of any venture-backed SaaS company. You spend millions of dollars building your product, and then you create some hack marketing or sales asset, which is inferior to the product itself. So product-led is putting your product first because it's what your customers want. Such an exciting time. So one book says the product sells itself. And I think there is some truth to that. Take us through the myth. Can it fully sell itself? Do we still need the SDRs? I mean, everyone's been talking about how the SDR is going to go away. But what really happened is Mark Andreessen was right. Software ate the world. Everybody became a SaaS. The funding rounds went crazy. And what we do is we need more and better SDRs. And I think we need them for PLG companies too. But can you take us through, you know, how do we do it? Advise us. Yeah, I think that there's an absolute movement in the way that buyers are buying technology, even enterprise B2B technology. And so I think about about two things that happened during COVID. My mom started using Uber. She downloaded Uber on her phone and she checked to see if there were cars nearby and there were. And so she stopped using taxis. And my aunt decided not to use Airbnb. She downloaded and installed Airbnb on her phone and decided she liked hotels better than, than you know other people's apartments. And so these are laggards, right? These are not early adopters. These are laggards when it comes to technology, yet they're getting accustomed to installing an application on their device, testing it, and then deciding if they want to move forward with the vendor or not. These are laggards on the adoption model. Think about the leaders, right? Think about the early adopters. They grew up on iPhones, okay? And so the folks that are now buying technology are being accustomed to buying technology the way B2C technology is sold. So they get to your website and they don't care that it's six figures and they don't care that it's very complicated. They just want to touch it and they want to click it. And so as a result of that, smart vendors are adopting product-led motions because it's in line with the buyer's desires. That then changes the rest of your sales motion. And so as an XDR, like I've never been afraid of being replaced, you know, either, either by an immigrant or a robot, right? Progress is good and you shouldn't like 
cling to your current role. The world's going to change. The, the, the people are going to adapt. And then you have to rise to the top of the new market. And so if your company can get away with a touchless sales motion, they're going to do it and you should let them do it. Go find a job that needs a salesperson. Or what's really happening is we're in a world of transition right now. You don't flip a switch and all of a sudden you're, you're a freemium software, right? So as you're becoming product-led, your buyer's needs change. Maybe they no longer need you to do the demo, but they need you to help them set it up. Maybe they no longer need you to do a revival campaign. They need you to do a card abandonment campaign. And so your engagement changes as your customers' needs change. But I don't think we're at a world where we're totally outsourcing every human being with a robot or with technology. Totally makes sense. What are some of the things? So there's two things. One, this stuff gets like really hot. It's like, we're all going to do PLG. When should you not do it? Just because you're SaaS, I mean, someone on the show said maybe 40% of SaaS companies in the next five years could go PLG. When do you not do it? And what are some of the pitfalls? Like, give us like the search in general's warning because there's hysteria in Silicon Valley. It's like, oh, we're PLG now, you know, yeah. and we raise money and they'll just be file sharing and people freak out. They all do it. It's this big ruckus. And it's, it's what I love about what you said uh, earlier, I hope I can share is you, you went through hundreds of iterations to find your product market fit. You maybe share with the audience a little bit more about reprise and how it, how you chose to make it PLG and then how that went into a sales motion. Yeah, so I, I've been in I've been B2B revenue SaaS for, for 15 years now. I was at Insight Squared, I was at Chorus, you know. So like my network is really good for meeting with, you know, CRO, CMO, head of RevOps, head of enablement at venture back SaaS companies. So I went outbound in my network and I went down my, my first degree connections and I did product market fit interviews. And then as I started to get my feet under me, I started to pick up on these trends. I went outbound to strangers and I said, I'm seeing these things in the market. We're building a solution for it. Can I ask your feedback on it? And I went out, I did 700 meetings in the last 12 months, legit 700 conversations with a CRO, CMO, head of enablement, head of sales engineering, right? And I asked about your product-led strategies and how your customer, you know, your buyer behavior has changed. And this is a real thing. This is across, across the board in SaaS. So you asked about when is product-led the wrong strategy? And it reminds me of the account-based craze, right? When is account-based the wrong strategy? And I always laughed at the folks that would say account-based is the marketing team realizing what the sales team has learned all or known all along. And account-based is not a, a, a light a switch that you flip. Account-based is a series, almost an infinite number of, of small tweaks and changes to the way you run your overall go-to-market. Well, product-led is the same thing. Asking when is product-led wrong for a business is like, when is freemium wrong for a business? But product-led and freemium are not the same thing. And so every business needs to adopt some type of product-led strategy in some areas of their motion, but there's a right and a wrong way to do it. I'll give you an example. Legacy SaaS companies that take three config calls, two user trainings, and six weeks to realize value should not put a free trial on their website. That's not what your buyer actually wants. They should put a clickable interactive sandbox on the website because the time to value is greater than the amount of time I want to spend educating myself. So that is a bad example of a product-led strategy is dumping somebody into a sloppy, long time to value trial when they just want to shop and see what you do, right? So you could do product-led strategies without going full freemium. And it's less about should we be product-led? You have to be product-led. You have to be product-led in 2021. It's about how can I, with my existing tech stack and my existing you know, limitations, how can I offer up some product up front that doesn't turn into homework for my customers? That's so profound. Yeah, I usually prepare questions for this because I would ask you, 
you know, how do you get the marketing to synchronize? And do you have an enterprise strategy that's different than a mid-market strategy? There's just so many kind of factors in this. Uh, I'm curious how you're thinking about that. Uh, I have a ton of questions now. You just opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> you want to take those two also? What are some companies that you look toward? I've talked to some entrepreneurs in here. They're just like heads down doing their own thing. And I think that's really cool. But are there other companies like, you know, Snowflake or oh, what's the Slack that inspired you? I know you're in the sales tech area. So yeah, if you could rattle some of those off, that'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. You can go on HubSpot and Salesforce.com right now. You can go to those websites and get free trials of their product. Right. And, and they're legacy gorillas and, and, and B2B SaaS. They never did trials. We don't have to do a trial where salesforce.com, we have 180,000 customers. You've used me in two of your previous jobs. Why would you need a trial? That was the mantra from Salesforce for years and years and years. Go on their website right now. You can have a free license. Go on HubSpot's website. You can have a free license. Look at the fastest growing companies in the world. Like you said, Snowflake and Slack, their product led, Twilio, product led. These are all companies that, for one reason or another, have realized that the consumer wants to install your app click on it and then decide if it's worth keeping or decide if they need to talk to a human being. And so this is going to permeate the entire the entire B2B SaaS landscape because the leaders have already done it and there are some legacy enterprise, you know, sales thought leaders out in the world fighting against it and it's like old man yells at cloud. That wouldn't work in my space. My product is too complicated or my product Nobody wants to buy a, an enterprise software product up the internet. And it's like, cool, man, but they are. like They are buying these enterprise products up the internet. And all of the VC money is going into more product-led companies. So either you're going to be product-led one day or your competition is, and your buyers are going to go in, and get upstreamed by your competition. They're going to like you know take these freemium point solutions and start working on paid expansions while you're still saying like, oh, this meeting's a discovery call. The demo is actually next week, and you're running out that tired, you know, enterprise sales motion that we've been doing for 20 years. So product led is here, and every company has to find a way to show a little bit up front and let their customers engage with the tech before you make them engage with the human being. Period. Could you see sales teams running like with no sales team if they if this approach were nailed? I think that there there are a lot of companies that are already doing that, you know, and what they do is instead of hiring a sales team, they put a free offer out there and that's how they do their initial product market fit. And then they kind of grow from there and it starts to catch heat and get viral. And all of a sudden you've got a business, you know, in the tens of millions in, in, in annual revenue. And what happens more often is they hire an enterprise sales team to go chase big deals, right? But their DNA has, has been product led from the jump. And, and so I, I think the alternative to that is an enterprise company launches and they sell directly to the enterprise, you know, and, and they, they become known as like the market leader for enterprise in that category. And then they want to stand up a touchless SMB motion. Like we want that SMB revenue, but we don't want to go build a team to go do it. Right. And so I think you see companies kind of going at this from both sides, starting in the SMB touchless and then build an enterprise outbound team or start in the enterprise outbound team and then build an SMB touchless. And so either way, I think you're going to see a lot of companies get to a world where they kind of have a hybrid approach where you can take the trial, you can use the product, you can get the tutorial, like you can try it before you buy it, but you can also deal with a skilled and highly trained you know, sales team. And I think we're going to see that become more common than anything else. And then I think eventually we'll, we'll find new ways for humans to support clients and our SDRs and AEs will settle into those new support roles, right? And I think that'll happen over time. But I think the immediate change you'll start to see is most B2B SaaS companies will have some hybrid approach. You can take it without help, but if you need help, we're here for you. It's awesome. Yeah, I was, I was thinking like if a lot of people, so there's like the product qualified lead, the new PQL, and then there's enough of that, like, and then there's 
you know, five people, seven people, 20 people, when's the threshold? How do you determine that? And then how do you know it's an enterprise deal or mid-market deal? One of my big things is I look at SaaS and it's like SDRAE, I call it industrial complex because, you know, SaaS happened 20 years ago. I guess my friend Rajiv, he told me that Cisco and Salesforce both reached a $50 million ARR in 2002, I think it was. So we're about 20 years in and we have these molds and models that are fixed and all the software is built around it. So you can't like break down sales, marketing, and ops and just like refactor. What I love about product-led growth is redrawing the lines of the traditional SaaS company and what like roles and divisions of labor and things. So you know, where I'm going with that is how are you intending to scale? You could give your own example, but how, like talking about the organizational design and how you're going to align the sales process to the bigger accounts. You might've touched on some of this, but I really do think about SaaS transformation from an organizational level. I agree. I think that we have some really dated sales motions that are being trotted out there. And I'll give you a funny example. Like I've always hated conflict on a first call with a prospect. I hate it. You know, it's, it's a weird game of poker where they just want me to pitch and I just want them to admit what project they're working on. You know, I want the pain and they want the solution. And we're kind of, you know, in this weird game of chicken of like, who's going to blink first, you know, and, and all the, all the like legacy thought leadership is like discovery before demo. How will you tailor your pitch? How will you know what, what points to hit on? And if you give the demo up front, you know, what, what causes them to stick around and give you discovery, they already got what they wanted. They'll leave you in the lurch. But the reality is like, that doesn't make any sense. Discovery, demo, trial, deal as like a linear motion that doesn't make any sense because it takes five to seven people to buy a piece of software and you have an average of 1.25 prospects on a first call. Okay. And so you meet that person, you do discovery, and then the next week you're supposed to do demo. Well, they bring two stakeholders with them. So you don't do discovery with the two new stakeholders. Right. And then in week three, another person shows up and you're not supposed to learn what they care about. You're not supposed to demonstrate. Right. So like, it's not a linear sales motion anymore. It's a series of like give and take meetings where you do a little bit of show and tell, you learn a little more. You tie that to the next meeting, you do a little bit of show and tell, you learn a little bit more. And it ends up being like a fluid motion in a series of give and take calls versus a very linear sales motion, which is what you know we're used to people advising. And so I think that the dynamic of how companies are buying software has changed. And I think we're still used to seeing a flow chart or a bifold buyer wants, seller wants. Right. And I think this game of horse trading is over. And so I think every SaaS company now has to take a really genuine look at the way their buyers are going through the new buyer motion. And they have to adapt their sales motion to, to, to be relevant again, because I think you're, you're sending your sales reps out there to slaughter, you know, having them show up to a first meeting when the prospect is already halfway through a free trial of your competitor. And you're telling your rep to be like, no, this demo is discovery. This, this call is discovery only. The demo is next week. It's insincere. It's fraudulent. And they know what you're doing. Like you wouldn't understand my product until you give me discovery is one of the more condescending things a sales rep can say to a prospect, or it's our process to do discovery on this call and demo on the second call. I don't give a shit about your process, right? My wife and I sold two houses during COVID, right? And we bought two houses and we're not, we're not, we're not rich. We don't have it like that. That's all the money we have, right? We sold two homes, we bought two homes, and we did it without talking to a human being. We were in-app chat for the mortgage, and we were texting the realtor the listings we wanted to go see. She texts back lockbox codes, right? So we went and bought two houses, sold two houses without talking to a human being. I get to reprise, and I'm on the phone with the vendor that has a $7,000 product, 
And that vendor says, you wouldn't understand my demo. It's very complicated. You have to give me discovery. And I was like, listen, man, you're a year and a half out of college. Like F off, you know, like I just need the solution. I don't need your song and a dance. And he's like, well, it's our process that we do discovery on the first call. And I hung up on him and I went and found a competitor that put me in a free example right on the website. And I started using it. I sent it to my co-founder. This is what we need. And we bought it right without talking to a human being. This is how humans are buying now. And we have to adapt. Fantastic points that are made here. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So product-led growth. Do you feel like you have a competitive advantage by embracing this before other companies do it? Yeah. I'll tell you what, for my, for my conversations, it absolutely feels like an arms race. As we get close on, on a deal, like we're working on a deal with a prospect, they start to ask questions like, are you meeting with my competitors? Do you know if they're doing something like this? And it's absolutely this, like, this funny like arms race of like, who's going to get the product out there sooner? Because the realization has started to set in, you know, if I go on your website, I'm here for 90 seconds and I'm looking for one, what does the tech do? And do I think it helps me? And two, what's the fastest way I can get into it? If I get on a call with a vendor right on the first call, I'm like, can I try it? What's your evaluation process? And so your buyer is clearly trying to race into your product. And if your competitor has an earlier doorway where I can get into, into their product and you're delaying me two or three interactions down the road, I'm eventually just going to unsubscribe from you and you're going to miss out on these opportunities. And so I, I do think that there's a bit of an arms race, which vendor in that space can get product led sooner, you know, cause you know, the game go on five websites, MQL on three, take two calls, trial one of them and, and make a purchase. Well, that narrowing of the funnel happens earlier and earlier now. And so if you're the vendor that's not offering a product experience early on, you're the vendor that's getting cut out of, cut out of these competitive evaluations. So it's totally an arms race to get product led faster. Very fascinating. So for people who want to learn about this, I know OpenView kind of coined the term. There's some really good books out there. What are some of the blogs, Slack channels, communities, like just if you could like lower the veil and share with everyone how they can learn this stuff is esoteric and hard to find, but I suppose it's out there. And where do you go? Who do you trust? Who are the thought leaders? Like it's, it's emerging. So I'm Boston-based. So I love I love my friends at OpenView. They are the product-led VC. They're the best at it. They, they totally, they do a ton of thought leadership. They, they have a lot of companies in their portfolio that are product-led and they're, they're the experts. I think Wes Bush at the Product-Led Institute is great. You can go to productledinstitute.com, read about Wes Bush. He's got a book. I think Chris Mills from HubSpot is really, really smart and good about this. You go read his content. I think that that it's out there, you know? It's just a matter of like waking up to it and and shifting our mentality from what has felt very much like a product led is the future says you know the product community and the the VC community but sales is king says the sales community and it's starting to really turn into like two camps here and I'm just advocating that salespeople be a little bit hip and a little bit smarter than that and don't cling to the way the world used to work because it's good for you or because you're afraid you don't have a home in the new world. Instead, embrace what is very clearly a trend in your industry and start to find ways that you can adopt this and enable it and be a part of it instead of an opponent to it, because it's happening whether you like it or not. Like That's where the VC money is going, businesses that are building product-led SaaS companies. And so you better find a way to be relevant still and stop just like hiding your head in the sand and hope that this doesn't come. It's already here. Makes a lot of sense. So product-led growth, how does ABSD play in? We've got this really strong, savage inbound because people are, they're using the product. Okay. They don't need the seller. These are intuitive products that have product market fit. So if someone's good, if you're good at using Slack and someone nails the product market fit, Pendo, right? You go use it. You kind of, it's intuitive. You can use it. You don't really need to discover. You don't really need someone to 
find your pains and peel it, right? You're using the thing. It's a useful thing. <laughs> it makes sense to use it. Where's the role then of outbound? You're going out and targeting, but you've already got these companies in. It just, it becomes confusing. I need, you know, and the, the crew over at Snowflake seem to be doing this really well. How, like, how do you see it fitting in with reprise? Just in general, like how do you use outbound then effectively and thoughtfully to not upgrade the buyers, like you said, and not force, you know, your well, end on them? Yeah, I think it's a trend that the XDR role is already very, very hip to. Like it's about providing value. It's not about a cold pitch anymore. It's not about asking for a meeting. It's about giving them something that's actually useful to them in their job. So I think like outreach does a really good job of this. They offer up assessments and, and like health checks as a first touch instead of asking for a meeting with sales. And, and when you think of the trend of going away from like, here's what we do, will you take a meeting and going towards like, here's a free tool or a free website or a free meeting, like, can you use it? Just take that one step further and just be very, very direct and specific with your prospect based on your role, vertical, whatever. Here's how I think we could help you. And here's an example you could try now. So here's one of our free apps. Here's a, you know, a free trial, or here's an example of how a customer is solving a problem currently. And it's just about getting closer to the real world value for your target and offering it up front instead of offering a consultation that might lead to a demonstration that might lead to a trial that then would show them how they would benefit from your product. Just put it in the first email. Joe, you've been awesome. I've learned so much so fast. Um, check out Joe Caprio, C-A-P-R-I-O. It's Reprise. Thank you for coming on the product-led growth for SDR show. We'll get more acronyms for you next time. I promise. I got to get back to Boston. I do miss it. <laughs> T-T-L-Y, G-T-G. <laughs> Thanks for everything, Joe. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Justin. I'll see you, man. I got a jet. Thanks for having me.